Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. What is up, everybody? Season two is officially live of the People of Packaging podcast. I am one of your hosts, Adam Peek. You're going to be hearing from Ted Tate as well. Again, this season, we've got just some incredible guests, uh, including our first guest, which is Michelle Enright from Sonos. Um, And Michelle and I get to cover a wide range of topics. We actually had to cut a little bit just because we kept going down these rabbit rabbit trails, rabbit holes, whatever it is. Uh, We had a great conversation. Um, She's a a very dynamic person, and she's going to be doing some really cool stuff in the packaging world. She already has done a lot of great stuff. Um, She's sitting on an advisory board at Cal Poly with her packaging school. Just an incredible person to know. So we were uh, so excited and blessed to have her. And listen, um, we we are excited for season two for so many reasons. The guests, you know, Michelle, guests like Michelle are are amazing. Um, but Ted and I, I know that we have learned so much from season one until now. It's been just about a year since we started the podcast and we started doing interviews and we started to figure out how to publish interviews and ask questions and things of that nature. So uh, season one, uh, it ended as of uh, as of today. Uh, I'm recording this here at the end of uh, January. So end of January, beginning of February, 3,000 total downloads. You guys, 3,000 people wanted to hear about packaging. That's incredible. Um, it's incredible. In 40 countries, uh, we never, never, ever would have thought that it would have come to this. So thank you all so much. Uh, please keep the feedback coming. Um, positive feedback is great, but listen, negative feedback is, is also really helpful. Um, you know, just be kind with your negative feedback, but, uh, Hey, we would, we would love any feedback that we can get. Uh, you can hit us up on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me, Adam Peak. You can find Ted, Ted Tate. You can send us emails, adam at peopleofpackaging.com or ted at peopleofpackaging.com. And, uh, we'll get back to you as well. So, Season one is done. Season two is about to go down. So check it out here with Michelle Enright from Sonos. All right. Well, I am uh, here with Michelle Enright. And uh, Michelle and I connected up on LinkedIn. And I'll be totally honest, Michelle, I... Uh, I just I love Sonos. I love their <laughs> I love their speakers, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I love the I really do love the packaging and the branding around it. Um, I remember when I first had uh, had got my I got my first Sonos speaker, and I was looking at the logo, and I was like, man, look at this! It it reads the same way any way you can see it on the shelf, and you know maybe everybody doesn't appreciate that, but I sure did. Um, so we connected up on LinkedIn. Um, I saw that, you know, she would, went to uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. I traveled to SLO quite a bit for work. And so I thought, boy, this could be a fun, a fun episode. And finally, her life uh, kind of calmed down a little bit enough for us to jump on and do this. So, Michelle, welcome to the People of Packaging podcast. Thanks so much, Adam. It's great to be here. Um, I know it's a little bit weird because there's really not a whole lot of like packaging podcasts. So we're, we're not all, I'm not a professional question asker and, uh, you know, people aren't really used to being interviewed in our, in our world. So, uh, we'll, we'll no, have, they're not, we'll have <laughs> we're, fun. We're better behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so really how we start this off is you can just sort of give us a, 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 a just a basic introduction. I like to say, you know, we meet at Pack Expo or a packaging conference or something, and I just say, so tell me about yourself. What is it that you do currently? And then we'll kind of get into some of your history and, um, you know, talk about some of the places that you get um, inspired and excited for packaging. Awesome. Um, so my name is Michelle Enright. I work at Sonos, which is a company uh, that creates sound experience. Uh, by way of speakers, um, and we're based out of Santa Barbara. Um, I've been here for about seven years. 
Um, and uh, it's been a really great ride. Uh, one, I'm in Santa Barbara. Right. <laughs> so that's lovely. Um, and uh, two, I really love the products that we work on. So it's really great to work for a brand that you believe in. And um, I currently lead a team of uh, really talented packaging um, industrial designers and graphic designers. And uh, our, our mission is uh, to create uh, packaging experiences for Sonos. All right. So, uh, yeah, tell me, part of the premise of this podcast is that very few people, um, you know, grow up wanting to be in packaging. Um, it's not an industry that's very well known, you know, with kids, especially high school kids and college kids. There's nobody dreaming about getting into packaging, though some I'm finding now there are some people specifically in the Midwest where packaging is probably a lot more prevalent, especially through the colleges. Um, mm -hmm. But so tell me, tell me a little bit about, you know, your background and, um, you know, where'd you grow up and how did you get, how did you get into, uh, to where you're at right now with Sonos? I think it's circuitous like many of us in packaging. It, some, one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I really love packaging. I'm in it. So yeah, as a yeah. bit of a background, I grew up in the Bay Area. Okay. Um, I was born in San Francisco, grew up in the East Bay, um, had a really nice life for the most part. And then um, upon graduation, went to Cal Poly uh, State University in San Luis Obispo. Um, uh, I was really excited because I actually had to apply with a portfolio. I did get into some other schools, but that one um, I got accepted on the, my merits of my portfolio. And so I was I studied uh at the art and design department uh, at Cal Poly. Uh, okay. That's what it was called at the time. I don't know if it's rebranded itself. It probably has. Um, but uh, I was exposed to packaging through Mary Laporte, um, and it was one of the design courses. It was a packaging course. Um, so I recall, because this was a, a little bit ago, um, I do recall like focusing on the aspects of more of the brand and identity kind of portions of packaging. Mm -hmm. um, but as a result of it being packaging, we were required to do a uh, prototype to um, kind of show what our, our concepts were and how we're utilizing the branding. And I think, I think that I did a package for a perfume. <laughs> and if I looked back at it now, it was like, I think it was called Ferenz. Like, I don't know if it was even real, but that sounds very much. Like I would perfume. probably, it, yeah, I was totally perfume. It was Italian style. It was, probably the most hideous thing I ever did in retrospect, <laughs> but you know, it, it was kind of a, a good learning experience and uh, getting into prototyping if I look back. Yeah. So then after, after school, and so there was two sources of main inspiration for me, I think um, one was Mary Laporte uh, and the design side, and she's getting ready to retire. So that's a really interesting thing we've kept in touch. Okay. Uh, the other one was a, a, a designer, uh, a local designer. His name was Pierre Rademacher. Okay. And he did a talk. I think it was like at a portfolio session and just was like, well, you know, whatever he said, I don't even remember. But the one thing that really drove me was that he said, if you can't make it in Orange County in L.A., as a designer, you can, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Right. So it just so happened that I ended up in Orange County after graduation, and I started as a receptionist at a small design agency, and I paid my dues. And, and within six months, I was a project manager for um, – the project manager was pregnant. She went on maternity leave, and I – uh, I managed to do project management. Okay. Um, I think I had utilized some of my skills as an intern at IBM in the summers when I was in college. But um, regardless of that, by within a year, I was a junior designer. And um, awesome. that was really my first experience in being exposed to packaging as a discipline in a way where you're actually preparing things for manufacturing. So there were a number of clients at that design firm, uh, which is now debunked and who knows what happened to it but um they uh, at the time we had a photographer in-house there was a typesetter in-house there um so what we were doing are were traditional artwork mechanicals okay. for um lighting and like bb gun companies and we would do mock-ups or we do um we do layouts on um illustration board uh -huh. and there was ruby list involved and we like i said we had 
to lay type down in the traditional way, and we would use four by fives and Xerox copy them up for scale and proportion. And those boards would be sent off to China for production. Okay. So that's kind of like nobody knows what I'm talking about because everything's digital these days. Right, but right. some of us older folks will know and appreciate the smell of Ruby Lift. So <laughs> there you go. I love that. I also love, by the way, that you you distinctly remember that there were two it was lighting companies and bb gun companies <laughs> is yeah is just there there was a store i remember uh i was i went to school in colorado um up in fort collins and i think my memory is correct that there was a store in loveland colorado that sold bibles and wigs that was oh my god it was the bibles and wig stores like your one stop shop for a King James version and a, and a Madonna wig or whatever it was. I was like, how did these two things come? It, it was like a, a married couple was like, you know, I like wigs and well, I like Bibles and why don't we just sell them together? I don't know, but that's funny. So lighting companies and BB gun manufacturers is. Yeah. Lovely. And, and then at the very end, there was some, um, some cycling companies that were looking for packaging as well. Okay. Um, so I was there for, I don't know, probably three and a half years, three years. And then I decided to do some freelance, try my way at that. Um, that lasted for a little bit. But ultimately, I decided I wanted to go back to um, San Luis Obispo, okay. ironically. Like, I couldn't get away for that long. And so I moved back um, and uh, got a job at a sunglass company uh, called Dioptics. Okay. Um, and I was the first designer that they actually had hired in-house. Um, and my focus was on branding and packaging uh, for their sunglasses. Um, the sunglasses were the real sexy kind where you have post-cataract surgery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you are, put these glasses on. Those are lovely. They were called, the, yeah, the brand was Solar Shield. That was the first brand that I worked on there. And um, they are still in existence today. So... Cool. That was pretty cool. Shout out to Dioptics um, for making the yeah for for making right. it this far. But now I believe it's a part of Foster Grant. So oh, got it. Um, right. So that was sold. Um, but what I did there, um, I'm really proud of the accomplishments I had there because uh, I think I was the like employee number 29, um, and it didn't ever get to be more than about 150 people internally, but, yeah. um, we did grow the business from about $7 million a year during my tenure there to about, I don't know, I think it was 45. And that was in the span of 45 to 50 in the span of about 12 years. That's huge. And what I did there was, yeah. And what I did there was, um, I really focused on uh, print collateral and packaging. Um, our core customers were uh, people like Walmart. Um, we actually had uh, Walmart Target, Sunglass Huts, uh, parts of Luxottica. And then we had multi-channels. So uh, we had the mass retail, as I've noted. Uh, we worked on packaging and display graphics for Walmart. And we were, at that time, the number one um, display that sold sunglasses there. Oh, and cool. so that kind of gives you a sense of the demographics. Um, but I've also had the advantage of kind of cutting my teeth as a manager there and learned an awful lot about what to do and what not to do. And I'm still learning today yeah. how to be a good manager because that's kind of an ongoing development that you have throughout your career. Sure. And um, so, so this, so the podcast is perfect because we're about people and we're about packaging. So you not only had to learn to, create and manage packaging processes from does it look good to does it function? Um, so there's kind of the right brain, left brain stuff going on there. But now you throw into that, you have this this sort of third dynamic of personalities and conflict and management and coaching and um, and all that. So that, that, that was kind of the place you would say where you, um, would you say like you kind of grew into understanding not only, you know, mass retail packaging, it sounds like, but also understanding the the masses, like understanding people and how people interact and group dynamics and things like that. Very much so. That's awesome. Very much so. It, yeah, it was a really great time. Um, uh, a lot of people would 
um, here our president who he he came from PNG. He was a great guy. Um, but when he would talk, I could visual like eventually after I learned how to work with him, I could visualize what he was talking about. And so people would come to me and go, what is he talking about? And I go, well, he means this, this, and this. Um, so managing up is a part of, of growing as a manager and right. as an individual. I think everybody needs to think about that. And then kind of really understanding your responsibility as a person who is bringing people up. Like I took that, I take that and I learned to take that very seriously. And it starts from the decisions of who you're looking at hiring and maybe they don't have all the answers out the door, but what kind of potential do people have? And is it aligned with kind of where you're going as a company and, and possibly as a department? Yeah. Cool deal. So you were there, you said, for, for a while in, in San Luis Obispo. Did you enjoy the, uh, is it like the tri-tip steak sandwiches? I think every time I go there, they're like, you got to have our tri-tip. Yeah. Like, I didn't know this was a thing in slow, but apparently it is. They're it delicious. Was, it was lovely. Yeah. It was lovely and it is delicious. Um, but there wasn't a lot of opportunity for me to grow. Okay. Um, there, um, much of much of the opportunities specifically around packaging and branding were either lateral or they were just not going to meet the means of my or the needs of my growing family. So I had three children while I was at Dioptics, and okay. um, um, that made it a very busy life, but also very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so after after 12 years, um, and we had already been starting to think, my husband and I, about what's the next. Um, my husband ended up getting a job in Austin, Texas. Okay. And we had family in Texas, and so we made this crazy leap. It was right around the housing crash, and we decided to go for a big change. And I found myself in Austin, and um, I kind of had an existential moment. Um, when I had worked at a really small company for a long time, um, we had taken manufacturing from the U.S. to China, but I didn't really understand how my my toolkit would stand up at other companies. So um, I did a bit of soul searching and I also did a little bit of career coaching with an outside uh, company. And I made a a very cognitive decision that I decided I wanted to specialize in packaging. And so at that point in time, I kind of rebranded myself and um, kind of polished up my portfolio that was catered more specifically towards packaging and the work that I had done um, and also your resume and those things. And I found myself with a job at Dell um, Computer um, based out of uh, uh, North Austin. Yeah. And small, I, um, small I got a company, gig. Tiny little outfit. Yeah, small company. So, yeah. you know, we went from 150 people to 100,000 at the time. The company was private. It was before it went public and then back to private again. Okay. Um, and so I decided to try my hand at being uh, one of 100,000 people at a company and to see how my skills really translated. And I ended up on their uh, visual identity and brand experience team. And with the focus of, uh, or with the focus being packaging, um, looking at their different tiers of packaging and their brands and how do they relate to the customers. And it was an awesome experience because I found out that my skills absolutely translated from small to large. And that was a huge relief. Right. Like I knew what to do and I'm like, okay, I don't have to fake it till I make it. Cause I already kind of have the gist of this. Yeah. Right. So that was like really, really nice. And it gave me a big confidence boost in the fact that, um, the skills that I had learned on a small scale, the cross-functional soft skills that you need to be able to navigate conversations, to drive a point of view, to present, to present what you're really talking about, being able to articulate those all translated. So I was like, this is awesome. And I also was exposed to industrial designers and product design teams, CMF uh, coatings, material finishes teams, people who are looking at trends and packaging engineers who would partner with us on the visual side to be able to look at a holistic experience in unboxing. Yeah. And that was the first foyer I had around actually being a designer that was working on unboxing versus being a customer that was experienced in unboxing. Yeah. Um, and also exposure to sustainability efforts through uh, people like Oliver Campbell um, and being aware that that is something that you absolutely should be thinking of and doing. Right. Because at the time we were creating packaging, we weren't 
necessarily aware of, at least I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't really aware of the impact that packaging has in the world and how um, being a designer can change that impact or can change the design thinking of how you create a package right. responsibly, if you can. And then what are the challenges around that that you're faced within the organizations you work in? Yeah, balancing all of the uh, sometimes internal competing values um, can is is really tricky, and I've I've talked about that before too. That there's a um, there's a dynamic nature to being in packaging that's really cool because you you get to you get to take in you get to have all of this input from you know things like procurement and supply chain all the way down to you know, marketing, and then you've got finance, and then corporate social responsibility, and the sustainability director, and you get taken all of this stuff, and then you get to create something from that, and to have everybody go, check, that works, is a, that's, that's, it's not easy, um, it's really cool, no. um, to be, to be a part of that process, um, I, I'm not, I'm not in packaging design at, at all, um, you know, I work for a, for a packaging manufacturer, so I get to be in, I get to be in it a little bit, and it must be just so gratifying for you, um, to to be in the middle of that, um, you know, especially at a company like Dell, during that time, um, to navigate all of those waters and come out not only feeling good about what you've done, but also seeing these products that you're creating, um, that had been a really cool feeling. Yeah, it was pretty cool, and it was really my first experience and exposure to um, structural cushions made out of pulp. Uh, it, you know, whether it's a, a craft based or a, a bamboo based, and 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 Oliver was definitely looking at blends and variations on that, um, and so that was great. Um, but one of my my happiest moments at Dell was the fact that we. We did something a little bold, and if in my mind it was bold for us, and we had a lot of four or five or six color graphics that were um, lithography printed uh, liner, top liner sheets on a lot of our packaging, yep. and we went down a, a, a branding uh, and kind of visual design exploration that led us to um, some award-winning packaging that I was um, happy to be able to to develop and work with a bunch of creative designers in-house and out, outside uh, firms. Right. Um, we created some uncoated packaging that was actually flexo printed. And so we oh, went fairly awesome. deep on print exploration. Um, we did a lot of print sampling and drawdowns and all sorts of things on the actual uncoated substrates. And for some reason, this thing actually lived to see the light of day. And <laughs> as a designer, there's always these like these moments in your career and you're you're really lucky even if you just get one in my opinion to have this moment where you kind of wake up in the morning and you're working on a design problem and you're creating a solution and people are letting you do it and you're like is this happening are they going to let me do this and or is this thing going to just crash and I'm going to have to go with the 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 safest choice and for this particular reason it went through it, there was some cost savings that were advantageous for Dell. Yeah. But we were able to do some really interesting things to the graphics. Um, and we did Flexo print. We did it for things that were going into retail. And so we did laptops, we did uh, desktops, and I think we did a monitor, but I cannot remember because it's been a while. So um, can I, can I ask so you a question around that? That was Sorry. really fun. So you sure. went from, um, I, I, know, I know a little bit about this world, not much, um, but was it like a, like a single face, like a 10 point sheet that was laminated to the flute? So like a single face litho lamb box and you went to a direct print on a corrugated? Is that? Um, so I was at that time, I was really focused on just the graphics part because okay. again, we were just doing the branding. So the technical aspects of that, we partnered with the packaging engineering team. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it was a top liner sheet or if it was actually just the top layer of the outer liner. Yeah. Of the but corrugate. I mean, still to go from, My, to go from a, a litho offset print to which, which has a, a lot of great advantages when it comes to 
you know, can, maintaining registration and make, you know, colors popping and things like that. To move that to Flexo, not only on the cost, but to do that in a way that the brand uh, integrity was intact is a, that's a, that's a real challenge. There, I don't know how many people who are listening to the podcast are in kind of that printing packaging space because we have people who are industrial and things like that, but um, that might seem easy. That's, that's a task in and of itself. So um, I agree that had to have been a, a crazy time. It's cool that you guys could pull it off. It was pretty cool. And the good news was we found, like, uh, we submitted for an award for that. And we ended up getting my one and only communication arts. Del got it, of course, but I was a part of that um, communication arts award for that packaging. So that was, uh, it was really great to see that that work that was removing a lot of inks and all of those things and, you know, going to an uncoated paper, like, it was meaningful back in. 2012. Yeah. And then I left. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went back and, and is that when you went to back to Santa Barbara? Right. So I, we just couldn't get California out of our minds and hearts. And, um, you know, a year into living in Austin, we gave it a year. We did that. And we also kind of felt like, well, this isn't really for us. And so, well, it was a great experience for myself and the family to be there and do something different. Uh, as soon as I could, I had t- hightailed it back to California. Okay. And um, uh, through a colleague at Dell, I actually found that Sonos was looking for somebody in the packaging industry that could come and help them with their packaging. Um, so it was a networking opportunity where I was found and I they flew us out here, or they flew me out here, excuse me. And um, it just worked out. Um so I was employee number one at Sonos in 2012 for packaging. That's cool. And it was very much a scrappy startup at that point. There was crazy things happening. There was a lot of momentum. Um, that was right around the time that they had just released the sub. Um, they were about to release the Play Bar. That was really the first product that I had the opportunity to look at what they were doing on packaging. Okay. And then they were starting to develop the what's now the Sonos one, but it was at the time a Play One. Yeah. So. I have I have and, the first generation Play Ones, just so you know how far back my Sonos experience goes as a consumer. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you've been in it for a while. Yeah. 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 So it was it was really a it was really an interesting time. Um, I think I got here either the week before or around their 10 year anniversary. Um, and so they had this really awesome party at the Santa Barbara bowl. And there was, there was a Sono session at the local theater. And it was just all of these things that I'd never been exposed to, um, happening. Cause I hadn't really worked at a startup before. I mean, Dioptics was a small sunglass company, but this was tech and it was, it was definitely uh, happening, if you will, in yeah. Santa Barbara. And at it's the time. such an interesting co- uh, convergence, too, between uh, not just the hardware of the actual speaker, but um, I, I think somebody told me that um, the difference between Sonos and, and some of the other companies at the time who were who were really trying to emerge, obviously there's other players now, but was that Sonos focused on the audio, audio quality was preeminent, and then after they dialed that in, they really dialed in the user experience and the software, um, but there's it's it's a multifaceted company. Um, you know, it's um, again this could turn into a commercial for Sonos, and it would be mostly me uh, saying it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it was interesting that you referred to it as like a, a tech startup because um, it's really probably what it was a lot like. It was, and it is definitely to your point a blend of hardware software working together in a seamless way and and the user experience is paramount in many touch points if not all that we're we're working on currently today yeah even. um so i want to um i want to ask you about something that you said earlier um and then we'll kind of get into some of the stuff that you're excited about but um you had mentioned that uh you had you had found somebody to do like a career coach and this was before i think you went to dell um i've done something similar this was a while back as well, but I sat down with somebody and, um, I, I don't think that I don't, I don't hear about that too often in the, in the packaging industry, but I find that there's tremendous value in finding a, you know, a, whether it's a leadership coach, 
whether it's you know uh, just a, a mentor. Um, in my case, it was just it was a, a session that I got to go and sit at. It was an intense session for four days, one on one with somebody. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about that process? Because that's not a topic that we've ever covered on the podcast, but it's one that that I've been through that I found to be maybe one of the most valuable things that's ever happened for me in my career was was having that kind of moment with somebody. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that like I had already mentioned, um, previously, uh, having worked at a place and kind of growing into a place that where I developed a team, um, at Dioptics for 12 years, it's, it was somewhat uncommon for people to have that kind of tenure at the time of like at the time that I left Dioptics, people were bouncing around. It was like a three-year window. You stay here for three years and then you move on. Well, I had been someplace so long, I actually didn't really know what to do with myself after I, I, I moved to Austin. And I had to realize that like I didn't have an updated resume and I didn't really know how to compile all the things that I had worked on in, in, in um be able to visualize it, visualize those in a portfolio manner as well as be able to speak to them. Okay. And so um, my one recommendation to everyone out here, and I still am not perfect at this, but every six months you should update your resume just to have it current because it's hard to remember what you did for the last 12 years. Right, <laughs> so right. All of the details, like where are your wins? Like if you can update it on an annual basis or, or you know, biannual basis, then it's much more relevant and you're not as overwhelmed to be able to d- dig into that. And, and um, it's also easier to, if you're going to diversify and create more than one resume for more specialized roles within the design industry or the engineering industry or whatever right. you're in, it gives you more fodder to be able to pull from, that's if you such, will. So, such great advice. Yeah, I mean, I I say this, and I'm a little bit hypocritical because I have a hard time finishing my updates. Like, I'll open it, and then I'll do something, and then I'll move on. So the latest example is, like, I joined the, um, the packaging ad, uh, advisory board at Cal Poly last year, and uh-huh. I know I added that to my resume in the last year, but I don't. I really haven't updated any further, so I should get back to that and practice what I preach. That's, um, but but that's, a, that's such great thing, advice, though. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I, I just say that to everybody because it is really challenging to reinvent yourself and to figure out what you've done, um, especially when you are under the pressure of looking for a job. Um, obviously, it's great to get a job when you have one. That's the best way to get a job is when you're already working. Um, but also just think back of all the little things that you did in those, those winning moments that you want to highlight. It can be hard. Um, but the job coach thing was, I think it was, it was good because it helped me frame what, uh, what they called a teammate. Tell me about yourself. Um, it helped to develop a bit of an elevator pitch, um, and also kind of just really digging into what I really wanted to do and what my focus would be. So those are things that I think that I really valued in doing that work. Um, and, and giving myself the time to be able to do that was really helpful. Cool. So, um, we're, we'll probably got to, uh, start getting into these, uh, these other questions. I've got a, uh, maybe some other time we can, we can have a conversation because, you know, I would love to talk about some of the new, um, you know, what it's, what it's like, you know, being part of these new product launches and things like that. And maybe that's something that, uh, kind of goes into our next question. I don't know. It seems like Sonos has been pretty busy. Obviously it took, it took a while for us to schedule the podcast, um, with the, was it the move speaker? That was the latest one. That's a really cool, that's a really cool product, by the way. Yeah. I don't have it, but it is. I'll... You should get it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We have one at home and I love it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but, um, but one of, one of the questions is, um, what, uh, I think when we were talking before the, before the, the call started, um, you know, what, where do you kind of find maybe inspiration or what's getting you excited about being in the packaging industry? Um, looking, looking forward. Um, and then our, our next question will kind of look back on some advice that you would give to somebody. So look forward and just kind of say like, 
And I'm really excited about what the packaging industry is doing here. It doesn't have to be within your current space. It doesn't have to be within your current job. Just you can even speak in generalities about, I'm really excited because I think we're going to solve this problem or whatever it might be. Oh, I wish I could say that. Um, yeah. Well, I am really excited about the attention um, that we're putting into trying to get better materials. Correct. for packaging more sustainable. But I think it's a really, really challenging and hard problem to solve for all of us. Um, we've been, you know, we're just challenged because one, our customers and our audience in the world is asking us to, to do better. Yep. And so we put pressure on ourselves to, we wake up every day, we know we're making something that ultimately may or may not be the final product. And so it's hard to reconcile that um, and know that we are maybe possibly putting things into uh, work streams or recycling streams or things that ultimately we really want them to be recyclable or we want them to be reusable. And there's a lot of challenges and discussions that we have around that, I think, as an industry. Um, so I think that that is really exciting, and I'm really excited to see where we're going to go yeah. with that work and how – the, the challenge is, is that there's a lot of solutions that people are proposing, but they're not necessarily scalable or manufacturable, right. or you're able to manufacture those in the countries of which you're actually doing the work. Yep. And so that's, it's almost like you're in a wait and see mode for some of these things to figure out how are they going to scale and what's going to, what's going to really be, um, what's going to have longevity. Right. Yeah. So, um, I'd like it to be more meaningful than just a marketing campaign. And I think that those are great for awareness, but that um, as packaging people, like it is our responsibility to find the best solutions we can within the context of the problems we're trying to solve. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of, there's a lot of tension when you're trying to create a packaging experience. You've got your customers that you're trying to serve, there is a sustainability component, at least that's what we believe in here at Sonos, mm -hmm. and that's what I personally believe. And then you have cost constraints, yep. and those, all of those things are not always going to work hand in hand. And so there's always, it's always a lesson and a balance of what are you going to do from a trade-off perspective? What's most meaningful for this, and how are you going to make the most impact for the product? Um, we are not a nonprofit company, we are trying to make profit. And so you have to really be mindful of all of that and try and figure out what you need to do. Right. Yeah. So like areas of inspiration, they're not always specific towards tech. I know we're all as a tech industry trying to do better. I see that across the board with other brands. Um, I definitely feel like we are trying to do our best, but we're still very much in a learning mode and I am in a learning mode. Um, I'm headed over to the Sustainable Packaging Coalition Conference next week. Oh, cool. With, it will be my first time going to a conference. Um, we are a member there. Um, but I have the goal and intent of learning from leaders that are already maybe ahead of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Because we just don't know. You know, and, and, and you just do the best you can right now, but we're trying. Um, we know our customers are expecting this. And as a mother of three children, I also want to be able to have solutions that will work where I'm not damaging um, the environment. You know, I'm not, I'm mm -hmm. trying to give back and doing it in the right way. And it's always awkward to articulate and speak to because I'm not a, sustain, a sustainability expert and I sure. am learning and growing. So um, forgive the fumbles. No, no, it's fine. That's but it's, something it's, that excites me. It is so, it's so true that um, the, there is a, there is a necessary pressure put on this industry and, and I say, bring it on. I mean, as somebody who's in the industry, um, and I think what's been really great about it is that that pressure and, and that, that pushing onto us is yielding innovation. Um, and that, that innovation, the call to innovation isn't, isn't to innovate as much as it stinks to kind of say only to make the planet better. But if that costs three times more, it's there there it it's not sustainable i don't know what else to right. tell people it's like there's there's you know there's got to be a way to make it profitable um to make it sustainable and to keep it on brand 
because you can have some things that that maybe it's sustainable, maybe it costs less, but it looks hideous or it's not going to right. be functional in transit. So yep. you can't you can't have that. And and that's the you know, some of like the food packaging is I know you're not in that world, but it like food packaging, it's like yeah, all of this stuff could be more sustainable, but the shelf life of the food is gonna decrease by by you know, 80%. And now we're throwing out a bunch of food and what does it cost to manufacture the food? And now we got to waste it all. So is it, is it that, you know, there, there's all these dynamics to the sustainability conversation that I think is really exciting. Um, because I, I'm excited to see brands, um, feel the pressure from their customers and, and work with, with companies to say, uh, you know, printing manufacturers and packaging and structural engineers and say, we have to solve this. It's no longer uh, a nice thing to do. It's a requirement from our consumers that we do this. And if we don't, they're going to go find somebody who does. That is an exciting place to be, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It, it is exciting and it puts the pressure on. And the beauty of it is, is that if we can build that into the design of a package from the front end, then eventually your company starts to accept that design is meaningful in that space and oh, yeah. you keep doing it. Yep. Right. And so that's, that's kind of, it, you have to start somewhere though. Okay. So I think so. kind of, uh, two, two final questions for you. Um, and this has been a great conversation by the way, so I really appreciate it. Um, so, so question about kind of looking back. So, um, I kind of prepped it this way with, there's a, a high school kid, they're looking at going to, you know, wherever it is, slow or Michigan State or Clemson or RIT or Florida, or I'm going to forget somebody and I'll get a comment like, you forgot this. Sorry, I, I don't have all of the packaging Rutgers. colleges. Rutgers, there we go. Uh, yeah, UW Stout. <laughs> you probably have interviewed a lot of people from these places. So, um, but so you're, you're going to give them advice. What advice would you give them on why should they get into packaging and maybe even packaging design? Because I think that's actually, uh, I think engineering and design are two places where people are naturally designers or people are really engineers. But I don't think there's a lot of people thinking about packaging design specifically. Um, and, and what advice would you give them into getting into this space? Um, or if you're like, no, stay away. It's... You don't, you don't want no. <laughs> I love packaging still. Um, it's, I feel really lucky to be able to do what I do every day. Um, I think that there is a lot of opportunity in packaging, and I think that it's really interesting that you bring up the, maybe the distinction between design and engineering. I feel like we have a huge breadth of colleges and universities that are really great at doing engineering, whether it's theory or application. So mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that you need to understand is what kind of a student are you and how do you learn best? Um, for instance, I know Cal Poly is definitely, their mod motto is, and I'm a, I love it, is learn by doing, and I believe it because that's how I learned. Um, and other schools have their own specializations. One of the things I think that is challenging for me when I've been looking to hire people in the industry is there's an aspect of aesthetics that you get in design and really that's not necessarily what the universities are catered to in at least the packaging engine universities. And that's one of the reasons why I'm on the board at Cal Poly is to push maybe aspects of industrial design as a sensibility and in the practice and the foundation into um, the actual world of packaging. Okay. So, um, the, the structural designers that I have are actually have industrial design backgrounds. They don't have packaging engineering backgrounds. Oh, okay. So I think that that's something to think about as you're looking for a school and you're interested in packaging, which has ample opportunities within, I think, the industry um, nationally and globally. I think it's a great industry to be in. Mm -hmm. I've heard numbers. I don't know what they are, but they're you know, trillion dollar industry is what I've heard. I don't know. You can fact check that. I, I'm yeah, not. I don't. We'll, I'm not I'll go to Snopes or something. I'm sure we'll. Yeah. I've heard it's anyway. the third largest industry in the world. And I've also heard that there's yeah. over 100,000 open job wrecks on um, whatever these job posting sites are. 
uh, in the packaging industry. So, you know, that those are kind of the numbers that I've heard from people. Right. But I think the awareness is, like I had said earlier on, is it's somewhat accidental sometimes for the students that are coming out of high school. And so one of the things that we try to understand and, and I'm thinking about a lot is how do you get awareness earlier on? How do you talk about packaging with high schoolers or uh, transfer students at City College or things where you can give them awareness that this is an amazing industry. There's a great group of people that are working on it, on, on problems to solve with for packaging. And um, I think that the thought that there are differentiated areas, you know, you could do testing from an engineer perspective. You can do structural engineer. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of, there's analysis. So analysis is something that we've definitely seen happening as a trend in the industry where you're doing modeling to understand performance values in transit. Um, I just, I, I just encourage people who think they may be interested in doing it to dig into it and look at all of the opportunities that are here um, that are available at through universities and what program works for you. So yeah, um, you know, I know it seems weird, but Purdue is a, has an industrial design. Oh yeah. Um, I think I saw them at Purdue, I think um, I've seen them at University Pack Expo or something. Yeah. University of Cincinnati, um, art center even has people who, um, I've looked at, uh, uh designers that have packaging special specialization, excuse me. So, okay. Uh, I think people need to do their research, but like, I don't know, how do we, that's a question back to you is how do we get awareness for young people that this is a great career? Um, it's something yeah. I'm trying to solve in partnership with Cal Poly, but also for myself as I look to hire uh, candidates, it, it's not always easy to find people. Yeah. I mean, certainly, um, you know, part of the impetus behind the podcast was this is a media format that is is growing by leaps and bounds that really nobody's gotten into into the packaging space and so um when i was talking with ted uh our, our the co-host we we thought well this might be a great way to kind of illuminate the stories of people and show that this is an industry that's full of people from all sorts of backgrounds i mean ted and i are perfect examples of that where Ted was, uh, you know, grew up in the Bronx and wanted to be a hip hop producer. And I grew up in the suburbs of Colorado Springs. Um, and, and I wanted to be a, an NBA player, so which didn't pan out. Um, and here we are, you know, we found ourselves together in this in this world. So it's a very cool and dynamic place. But how do we communicate that with um, you know, with high school kids and with college students so that, because I, I think a lot of these problems that we're facing are, are going to be solved by, you know, kids who are 17, 18 and 19 years old right now. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we'll certainly be there to support and to cheer on and to help and to, in some cases, fund these, these types of event, these types of ventures, but, um, getting the word out to people about packaging is is certainly a, a big part of why this podcast exists. So um, I don't know if it's doing a whole lot. We've had quite a few people listen to it in, I think, 28 countries now, um, which is kind of exciting. And so we'll just, keep, awesome. we'll just keep kind of telling people stories and keep trying to get the word out there about what's going on. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. So uh, final question for you, Michelle, and then I'll let you go because I'm sure you got a lot to do, uh, is... If somebody, let's say there is one of these, you know, one of these younger people and they wanted to get in touch with you about, um, don't just bombard her with, hey, will you hire me? Because certainly there are, there are probably limited <laughs> amounts of jobs in case, unless you were like, I need to hire 15 packaging engineers tomorrow. Uh, oh gosh, that would be amazing, be but no. Um, but what would, if, maybe if they're interested about, you know, what you're doing at Cal Poly um, on their board or just have general questions is, um, you know, is LinkedIn a great way to reach out to you? Um, what would be, what would be the best way that somebody could get in touch with you? Um, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn with regard to if people reach out to me. Um, I may not be immediate in my response, but I definitely sure. will take the time to uh, get back with you for sure. Okay. So that would probably be the best, the best way to do it. That sounds great. And I'll put when, when the, uh, when the episode goes live, I'll make sure to put a link to your LinkedIn so they can click it and 
um, you know, okay. maybe just shoot you a message or something like that. Um, well, Michelle, it's been awesome. Uh, great conversation. Uh, I know I learned a lot. I'm excited to, uh, come out and try some wine in, in Santa Barbara on my next, my next time through. And, um, let me know when you're out here. Um, yeah. and maybe I can arrange a tour of our facility. Oh, see now, now you're getting to the real reason. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm what? just kidding. What I'm are you just, talking about? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's, uh, it's been really cool. So, I uh, appreciate your time. Awesome. Well, thanks for inviting me. Definitely. Thanks so much for, for all you do and uh, for all you're doing for packaging, not only at Sonos, but also at uh, Cal Poly. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. I told you that was going to be fire, right? Man, she brought it. Uh, it was so, so good. Once again, thank you to Michelle. Thank you to Sonos, who just has a an absolutely killer product. Um, if you're not familiar with Sonos, you should be. If you're into branding, check out their brand. It's super dope. Uh, really cool stuff. Um, hey, next episode is going to bring more fire. Uh, we've got another fire episode where we get to interview Steve Savage from 1908 Brands. Now, Steve was actually one of the first interviews uh, that I did, this is Adam, again, you know that, uh, <laughs> that I did in um, in 2019. And so you, you'll, you'll hear some of the references. Like I think I say, you know, I've got five kids under the age of 12, and now I have five kids under the age of 13. You know, things like that, that maybe are inconsequential, maybe they're not. But, um, you know, re-listen to the interview. It is, it is still incredibly relevant. It is still very much needed. And Steve is one of those guys who... Loki is making big moves in the packaging world from uh, his work at Eco Products to what he's doing right now at 1908 Brands as he is pushing brands in the packaging space. So we're excited for our next episode, uh, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks with Steve Savage. So uh, make sure that you subscribe, follow us on LinkedIn, um, you know, subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to have podcasts. Please, please, please rate the podcast as well. That helps us uh, tremendously. Not like there's tens of millions of people wanting to listen to a podcast on packaging, but to the people who want to know, we like for them to be able to know. All right. Till next time. Peace.